Hello, my name's Christine Gordon. I'm the Events Manager at Readings. Uh, welcome to the Readings Podcast. I'm delighted to introduce you to two of my colleagues today, to the lovely Joe Case, who is the Readings Monthly Editor. Hello, Joe. Hello. I'm not really that lovely. Okay, we can talk about that a little later. Uh, and perhaps uh, the topic of our conversation, our listeners will hear whether or not you're lovely or not. Well, it's because a lot of my picks are not that lovely, but well, lovely me, to be here, Christine. Thank you so much, Jo. Uh, to our gorgeous Bronte Coates, who is our digital uh, content coordinator and also the Readings Prize Manager. Hello, Bronte. Hello, Chris. Um, well, the three of us are gathered here in this very small space today to take you, dear listeners, on a journey about what may be the perfect read for summer. So what I'm imagining is that there you are, you, you've packed your bathers, your towel, your sunscreen, and you're heading off to the beach to the local pool and you just need to pack one more thing with your bottle of water or your bottle of wine depending on who you are (laughs) Uh, you need to pack the perfect read so I thought that it would be good if we asked the people in the know about what choices are out there and what what are they what uh, what books are they considering for their very own summer read Joe Case let's start with you there you are, you've packed your bag and you're heading off to the perfect beach scenario. What book are you packing? I love thinking about this. Um, well, for the perfect beach scenario, so I'm going to pretend that I'm t- not taking grizzly books to the beach. I'm taking smart, fun holiday reads. Okay. Um, I I think top of the list perhaps would be You Play the Girl, um, a book by Karina Chicano. It's uh, kind of a pop culture feminist memoir. Um, and it's, so it's a non-fiction book? Joe? It's a non-fiction book. Mm. It's a collection of essays really that all come together as one book and it's kind of looking at um, uh different kinds of pop culture and different stories that we tell and how they um, they shape our everyday lives from a feminist perspective. And I've kind of been um, telling uh, customers in the shops that it's basically um, what I wanted Roxanne Gay's band Feminist to be when I read it. Um, so it's even better than that. And it has the discussions in there go from um, Bewitched and the Stepford Wives and I Dream of Jeannie to... Um, Real Housewives and The Bachelor to um, right, so it's a, a lot of contemporary <laughs> kind of take on all the cultures that are happening around us. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 in the category of smart, fun reads, very squarely. Perfect. What about you, Bronte? There's your beach bag all ready to go. What what title? Is, is sticking out of that, well, that bag. Well, when I think of beach reads, mm. I often think of books that are, you know, perfectly addictive. Um, you sort of race to the next page. Um, and this year I recently read the Crazy Rich Asians trilogy oh, yeah. by Kevin mm. Kwan. was hilarious. Did you laugh out loud? I did laugh out loud. Yeah. I also, um, I just had such a good time reading it. It was so much fun, definitely addictive, totally fantasy, not real life. Um, and then I also, I'm, become really recently addicted to crime. I haven't been a big crime reader in the past, but there's been some great crime books this year, and I know Joe's been loving some too, but... 
Yeah, definitely. mine's been more true crime. So you do the crime <laughs> first. <laughs> That's right. Well, definitely my favourite was Emma Biskic, um, who's an Australian author. Her first book's called Resurrection Bay. The second is called And Fire Came Down. It's a you know, just really great crime, really character-driven. That's how I like my crime to be. Um, They're very quick reads, aren't they? I've- yeah. You just, like, race through them. I know both of you are fans of Jane Harper. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that definitely fits the bill of that character-driven, great atmosphere, as well as, like, a, an absolutely gripping plot. And, you know, she has her new book, Force of Nature, out, which has uh, has the set. Oh. Aaron Fork. Aaron Fork, the detective again. So, yes. And another Australian as well. Oh, yes, another Australian and also another book. And a Melbourne writer. Yeah, and a Melbourne writer. Yeah, win, win, win. Um, And being the first one's being adapted by Reese Witherspoon for the screen, which, you know, I think she has such a great track record with adapting books, you know, including Big Little Lies earlier in the year. Yes, if you haven't read Big Little Lies yet, obviously that is the perfect That is actually the perfect beach read, I would have thought. Yeah, empty your bag, just take that. All right, so now I want to present you both with a different scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want you to imagine that it's one of those summer days in Melbourne where it's actually raining. You know that one day it's 32 degrees and the very next day it's 17 and drizzly. Terrific because you're not going to work. Yeah. Uh, there's leftovers perhaps from the picnic that you've shared or a festive sort of meal that you've shared with your family. You're having a day in. Great. Uh, it's raining outside. What sort of books would be the perfect read in this type of scenario? Well, I think perfect books to read when you've got a little bit of a dark atmosphere and you just want to kind of lean into it. Um, One book that I really loved is um, Future Home of the Living God by Louise Erdrich, um, a Native American uh, writer who is really um, fantastic. I I had read one of her earlier books about 20 years ago and have kept meaning to read her again and haven't. Um, Her latest book before this was La Rose um, and she's also the author of The Roundhouse. Um, This book is a bit different for her it's a it's kind of it's a dystopian thriller and it starts with it's a 26 year old um native american woman who's been adopted by a white family and that's how she's grown up um because she's just fallen pregnant she's going to meet her biological family on the reservation for the first time um but this moment also coincides with um the beginning of the end um for the world as we know it which is um evolution is going backwards uh, and new, uh, and this is across all, spe- all species. Look so. at you and all your festive joy right there, Joe. <laughs> well, I said lean into the darkness. <laughs> That's right. This <laughs> is what I said. <laughs> and but it also it's a book because like she is a really fantastic literary writer. It's got, um, it's funny. Like it's got moments of you know black dry wit um it's also got terrific characters and just beautiful sentences as well as this fantastic plot it's very uh, it's kind of handmaid's tale crossed with uh children of men um and you know with her own little um bits so yeah basically i'll just say um 
all the pregnant women are basically being hunted and put into captivity so their pregnancies can be monitored and, um, yeah, so she's on the run. To add two more kind of dystopian-esque books to that, obviously The Power by Naomi Alderman has been such a hit with reading staff this year, won the Baileys, Mm. um, and it's had an endorsement from Margaret Atwood, who, of course, wrote The Handmaid's Tale. Um, So it's been amazing. And I also wanted to give a shout-out to... American War Mm. by Omar Al-Akkad, which is, um, he's a first-time author, he's a journalist, he used to cover a lot of foreign wars, Um, Mm. and that sounded very strange, (laughs) but the book's great. It's like a dystopian future set America, there's another civil war in America, Um, another very grim (laughs) dystopian (laughs) book for if you're in a dark mood. Well, if it's raining on a summer day, you're in a dark mood. (laughs) That's true. So, okay, let me take you through another scenario. Uh, Now you're at the family sort of meal. You're at the family get-together. It's towards the end of the year. The conversation has already covered what your aunts and uncles have been doing, the annoying cousins. Uh, You've finished your main. You're about to start dessert. You want the conversation to move very swiftly away from the reality of your very own family's life. So what about stories that are about other people's lives? This is a very quick way to change the topic, uh, listeners out there, that if you are stuck in some sort of family hell, this is the time to bring out some new titles to make the conversation uh, steer into a different direction. Joe, what do you think? Well, I think the first book uh, that I would bring up is perhaps The Trauma Cleaner by Sarah Krasnerstein. Um, apologies if I mispronounce that. Again, Melbourne. Again, Melbourne. Um, this is a book that is is just amazing. It's, it is such a good book. It's amazing that this is a local writer who no one's ever heard of um, before now um, who's written it. It's... Um, it's a real mix of genres. It's kind of um, reportage, uh, memoir, as in she's telling the story of this woman. Um, it's very timely in that it's um, basically, okay, I'm going to try and summarise. <laughs> uh, it's the story of um, a woman who has her own business, trauma cleaning, which is basically cleaning up um Cleaning, cleaning up houses a, a after lot, crime scenes. after crime scenes or of hoarders, like mm. really serious hoarders. Um, and this woman uh, uh, was born a man. Uh, she had a really horrible childhood. Uh, she was uh, a drag queen um, back in Sydney in the early days. Um, she was one of the first in Australia, I think, to have um, transgender uh, surgery. Already I feel like that this book is going to... Yeah. Uh, perhaps quieten Uncle Jake over there who's <laughs> chatting about how successful his kids' um, lives are. I feel like this book might actually turn the topic. Absolutely. Well done to you. There Lots have been a lot of great memoirs this year which have mm. really been loved by reading staff. The Trauma Cleaner is yep. one. Um, Hunger by Roxane Gay was, mm. you know, it's such a, it can be gruelling in places but such an important and it's a provocative book. Yeah been very popular. Um, The Good Girl of Chinatown by Mm. Genevieve Cheng. You might not have heard of, but she's another Australian author. Loved that one. Oh, my gosh, so much fun. Yeah. That's Um, one that one of our booksellers, Leanne Hall, just was talking about in the office, and then I think a whole lot of us um, went out and bought it and have been recommending it ever since because, yeah, it's just a lot. It's 
it's event filled and it has great um, sense of humour. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, the other thing I think that can divert a topic, Chris, is um, by talking about something in an issue that has yes, nothing very separate from you're yourself. Absolutely right. Uh, um, that's not politics, perhaps, or not religion. True. <laughs> so, um, one book that has also been very popular mm -hmm. is Utopia for Realists by Rutger Bregman. Um, so that's a book kind of sort of posing ways to turn our world into a utopia, essentially. So mm -hmm. some extreme ideas, but they're very interesting. Mm -hmm. you could just drop them at the table. Maybe it is a bit too political. Well, it's, it, in some ways it's ethical, isn't it? it that's, yeah. It's much more of an ethical debate. Is it, am I right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and they're sort of, because so many of the ideas are big, you can't, you know, implement them straight away, but they're very mm. interesting to talk about and approach certain things in society. Yeah, yeah. I, I also think another one that could be great to talk about around the table across the generations is Adult Fantasy by Bryony Doyle, which mm, was so one of fantastic. my favourite books this year. It's so good and it's a book that has been read by I've had so many interesting conversations with people of different from different generations like younger than me and older about this. It's a memoir that's also um, reportage and research and sociology but um, it's just a really it's a really page turning read and it's basically looking at how adulthood has changed and how uh, the current generations are the the traditional markers of adulthood are out of reach for a lot of people these days like rent uh sorry rent no rent that's, that's <laughs> what you're going to be doing for the rest of your life mortgage yeah. babies so i hear that the so mortgage fantastic. now is a, it's now that it has moved from the avocado debate to uh, ice cream. It's really about what type of ice cream you eat. Yeah, this is the talking yes. town. Uh, the other thing is Bryony Doyle wrote a great debut novel oh, last yes. year, The Island Will Sink, um, mm. which was the first book by The Brow, which is a local publishing house. Um, and this year they brought out one of my favourite Australian books, The Town by Sean Prescott, Yeah, which is just a, you know, it's such a funny, strange book. It's um, unusually written, isn't it? Yeah. It, he's created a whole new sort of it's system or dialogue, if you like. Yeah, it's all about towns that are disappearing. Um, it's very Australian, very funny, but very mm. smart. Um, and just because I immediately thought of another very funny, smart book, um, Lincoln in the Bardo by George Saunders. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Well, just book a winner. Book yeah. a winner. <laughs> amazing. Um, so that blends history and fantasy. It's a chorus of ghosts talking. It's very funny, but Oh, my gosh, it's surprisingly moving. It will just make you cry for sure. He oh. just charmed audiences across Australia, didn't he, when he, yeah. he visited. And, of course, you can hear him in interviewing in one of our own podcasts with our very own Sean O'Byrne. I want to move on to uh, sort of books that you might give to someone, that you might give to someone who is feeling a little out of sorts, books that might inspire them to change the way that they're living or, or thinking. I, I, you know, sort of reluctant to say books that we are reading to change our way of life because I'd like to think the three of us here in this little <laughs> room are doing pretty well. Oh, but, my life's perfect. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's um, right. Well, absolutely one of my favourite. I feel like a little bit what you're talking about is maybe Personal development books. Oh, just books that's going to inspire okay. you, that's going to, that's going to spark you up in some ways. Yeah. Um. I would say one that people seem to be being inspired by all the time at Reading Stoncaster, where I work, is The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. 
Do you know what? To be honest, I have bought that for a couple of my friends and (laughs) they are rejoicing. People just see the cover and just snap it up without even looking within, but... It's it's a great book. So and it's just yeah. really I mean it's got a hilarious title, but it's I suppose about, you know, um not judging yourself to, yeah. so much, which I think is something we could all do. Yeah. And something a bit quirkier for mm-hmm. a new one that's come out, um The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning. <sighs> I have gifted this to my mother. <laughs> <laughs> how did that? How did could perhaps tell our listeners very quickly about what this is about, and then we can just spend just a few seconds talking about how your mother reacted to receiving a book like this from her beautiful uh, daughter. My mother has already been doing the gentle art of Swedish death cleaning for can some time. Can you explain time. what the gentle art is? So it's a sense that you know you you essentially get your affairs in order. So if you do die, you're doing a service to the people who deal with the fallout afterwards. But also it's about, you know, looking at your life, assessing the things that you value the most, and it's doing it in a really loving, a really kind way, a very gentle way. Um, it's quite a funny book. There are recipes in it. It's kind of, if you love the life-changing magic of tidying, this is kind of the next <laughs> craze, I think. My mum also so loved the life-changing say? magic of tidying. What I did she say, say when you gave her this book on uh, the end, you know, cleaning up at the end? Uh, she said, thanks very much, and now here's a list of things I need you to do with me while you're visiting. <laughs> My yeah. mum's very organised. It was the perfect book for her. Mm. I have to say that if you have ever seen Bronte Coates' desk, she did not need to read The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying, but also as a person you should take recommendations from on this kind of book because she is the most organised person she in really the world. Is. She it really is. It is true mm. that my mother trained me well. <laughs> so if you wanted to escape your sort of reality and you wanted one of those books that – you wanted to read one of those books that, that actually filled you with uh, – that, that, uh, with tears that became, you know, a very sort of personal sort of story with yourself in that sense that when you find a book like that, you go very deep into your own world and it's quite cathartic in the end. Yeah. Do you have any recommendations for stories that actually just make you bawl your eyes out? Oh, well, The Museum of Words by Georgia Blaine oh, is yes. an obvious choice. Yeah. You've both read it. Yeah, it's yeah. such yeah. a beautiful book. Mm. So... For me, a really good tearjerker also has a lot of heart in it. Um, So if I'm trying to think of other books like that this year, Insomniac City by Bill Hayes, which is basically a love letter to his partner Oliver Sacks, but also to New York, is absolutely beautiful. Another memoir. Um, Jean Harley Was Here by Heather Taylor Johnson. I did cry. (laughs) Oh, it's a beautiful, a second book by an Australian author. Just so, the premise sounds like you might not enjoy it. It's a woman dies in a bike accident and all the stories are what happens. They're all from the perspective of people left behind. But it is just such a good book, not what you're expecting, very surprising. Um, she's a wonderful author. And the other one I absolutely love this year is Anything is Possible by Elizabeth Strout, who, you know, a reading's favourite, um, beautiful, sad stories that will make you cry, but, you know, ultimately filled with empathy. Mm. Well, <laughs> that's really Bronte's category. <laughs> well, that's okay because I, I would like to sort of talk about the opposite of that. Books that make you need to go out into the sunshine after you have finished reading it because the stories are so chilling and so to the core where you actually question what humanity means, 
when you have finished that book. Joe, <laughs> that one's more my category. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, well, I am going to talk about a couple of um, non-fiction books again. Yeah. Um, so I think, and that what you make they make you um, they make you feel. Is your, is your blood turning cold when you're reading them? My is blood is turning cold just thinking. But it, they're, they're about the way the world is at the moment. But they also have mm. a little infusion oh, of hope. Well, really, oh, I really? promise. Yeah. All right, good. All right, tell us. So <laughs> <laughs> um, there are two books that I think are really great to read back to back, um, if you can. One is John Safran, So You Think You're an Extremist. Okay, great. Because so, you can also have a little chuckle in that one. Exactly. Mm. It's hilarious. I like my dark with a bit of light and vice mm. versa. Um, so that's basically gonzo journalism. He goes out with a whole lot of um, – he hangs out with um, right-wing extremists but also um, – left-wingers. I mean, he's a, a lefty, as I think most people know. Um, and he's he attends um, anti-racism rallies and Reclaim Australia rallies. He kind of infiltrates um, the movement and um, gets to know uh, some of the people in it. And the really interesting thing about it, I think, is that he... Um, he brings out some of the contradictions within it. For instance, is that that um, the Reclaim Australia rallies are full of um, migrants um, who are against immigration, which is actually not uncommon, mm. um, and that you know there are there are Indigenous people who are involved with um, some of these movements as well. Like it's. Yeah, it's that's all a lot a, more complicated. That's a terrific than. recommendation. Have you got another another one that's taking me out into the sunshine, desperate to, to <laughs> Can breathe I just say the one? Air, no, no, birds, I don't, Chris. I, that's what I not want. Doing I not doing it. Not doing it. I just I want really rainbows. <laughs> no, I have Paulie Hanson <laughs> instead. <laughs> I really want to recommend back to back. Anna Bronowski's Please Explain, which is um, Anna is an SBS filmmaker or she, sorry, she made a, a documentary for SBS about Pauline Hanson where she followed her on the campaign trail um, just before she got back into parliament um, and she really got to know her. This book really reminded me of a book that was one of the first um, Australian political books I'd ever read and really got me into the genre, which was called Off the Rails by Margot Kingston. And Margot had followed Pauline on the Queensland election trail. And the book really took you inside not just the people who are supporting Hanson and why, um, but also into um, the contradictions of, of Hanson herself. And she ended up kind of liking her as a person but absolutely hating her politics. And Bronowski follows a similar kind of trajectory here. She also references Kingston's book from years ago and gets Kingston and Hanson together again to talk about everything that's happened. Um, and so I think that's a really brilliant book. Bronte, have you got anything that's going to take me <laughs> I just want to, flag to the daffodils, to the roses? <laughs> This is definitely the scariest book I read all year. Oh, oh. so just so no, to say, no, yeah, not no. yet. Okay, but I will. But um, La Belle Sauvage, which is of course Philip Pullman's book, returning to the world of his dark materials. Oh my gosh, the villain in this book is so scary. I had a nightmare about him. Oh. It's a heart racing. It's very dark. You know, is it a quick read, Bronte? It's definitely a quick read. It's mm. a page turner. Um, even if you've not read the original trilogy, you should definitely seek this out. It's amazing fantasy. It's very thrilling. It's 
such an incredible world and yet the scariest feeling I cannot express how scared I was of him very dark that sounds like it'd be good for a <laughs> maybe long plane Joe's trip. kind of book I think a long <laughs> yes, plane trip perfect for a long plane trip <laughs> we are running out of time but I want to talk about four Australian books before we finish up uh can we start with the gorgeous Atlantic Black by our very own Alec Patrick who of course works for readings that's like a disclosure that I feel like we need to make <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh what an extraordinary book yeah Mm. We've got high hopes for it. We think it's going to do yeah. very, very well. It's another quite a dark it's story. It's so dark. There is absolutely, uh, yeah. th- there's not a lot of joy in it. There is a sense of building menace. Yeah. Uh, but it's a, it's beautifully written. And it's beautifully written. Yeah, Alec won the Miles Franklin, but he's he not the only Miles Franklin winner with a book out this year recently. There's also... Um, Kim Scott with Taboo, mm-hmm. another quite, you know, very contemporary politics, Indigenous politics, is really fascinating read, yeah. um, quite sad, actually. There's also um, Alexis Wright with Tracker, which is a memoir about Tracker Tillmouth, who's who's this charismatic Indigenous leader. Two great books, Beautiful. both Miles Franklin winners. Um, Talking of Miles Franklin winners, we've got Sophie Laguna's The Child. Uh, yes, mm-hmm. that's right. Uh, another beautifully, beautifully written book, quite compelling writing, set in Victoria near the Murray uh, with the main protagonist, a little bit like Alex is a, is a young woman. Alex's protagonist in Atlantic Black is 17. Uh, Sophie's is much, much younger but finishes in her sort of teen yeah. years. Quite really such just a year of Australian blockbusters oh, as well. Amazing. There's the new Richard Flanagan, of course. the new Peter mm-hmm. Carey. Uh, the new Alex Miller. The new Michelle de Cresta. It's a really big year for It's Australian. a really big year. I do feel like that we should be encouraging as many people as we can to be reading books written about our own country mm. by our own people. I think yeah. that this is the way that we can, in fact, change yeah. the world. Yes. <laughs> One book at a time. I like One you said that quietly as though it was, you know, a secret, <laughs> like subliminally entering people's thoughts. <laughs> this will happen. This will happen. <laughs> uh, of course, if you want some more information about this collection you can that we've been talking about today. Visit our blog. Visit our blog. Come to our shops. Come to our shops. <laughs> Talk to us. But most of all, we want to say to you, enjoy summer, be safe, happy reading. Joe, any last words? Uh, yes. Oh, smart, fun holiday read. I forgot to mention The Hot Guy. Very funny romantic very funny. comedy. Very um, funny. With lots and lots of pop Set culture jokes. Set in Melbourne. Set in Melbourne. Pretty, yeah, at the Cinema Nova by Anthony Morris and Mel uh, Campbell, who are both film critics. Bronte. Just want to give a shout out for The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. An amazing, like such a massive YA debut. It's becoming a film. It's an amazing book. It's definitely one of those crossover YA reads for adults as well. And she came out to Melbourne Writers Festival and so did Rennie Lodge, who wrote Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People, another fantastic book. It was our bestseller at the festival. What about you, Chris? Yes. Mm. Do you know, to be really honest with you, over the summer period, I'm going to be emerging myself completely in cooking books. <gasps> ah, that is Amazing. very you. Chris is our resident cooking columnist for Readings Monthly. What's I'm, the best cookbook of the year, Chris? One. 
one of the don't, best. Don't, don't you dare. Don't you <laughs> dare ask me a question like that, Brody. You cannot, you cannot. I shan't answer. To our listeners, thank you so much for joining us. See you next time. 